Hello. Welcome to Are You Karate Kidding Me? Your source for Karate Kid and Cobra Kai news information, but mostly recaps. And analysis. And, and just talking about the shows that we watch. I'm Colin Canada. I'm Jenny Carlson. Today we will be uh, reviewing and discussing episode four of Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai Never Dies. Yes, but before that, we just wanted to kind of check in with what's going on with season two of Cobra Kai. I understand they're wrapping this week, yeah? Yeah, it's, I, I can tell this from... In the real world. In the real world. In the real world that the, the cast and crew of Cobra Kai are wrapping uh, the second season in Atlanta. Um, it is December 2018. I think they've even had the wrap party. I get this information from some of their Twitter and Instagram feeds. And then begins the long drought before season two airs. Or begin streaming on YouTube, which we anticipate, what, May? Yeah. Like, like the first season? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, hopefully during that time, someone will post, someone being a cast or, or crewmate will um, post cool behind-the-scenes content or something to get us through. But until then, we yes. will be plowing at a steady pace through Cobra Kai and other Karate Kid properties. Yes. So, yeah, speaking of, I think the holidays are coming up. at least in our neck of the woods. And so I think what we're going to do is we're going to have our recap of episode five of Cobra Kai counterbalance, but also during the winter break, we're going to drop our Karate Kid 2 recap episode. That's going to be kind of an extra length episode just as a special holiday treat, I think. Well, it's a treat for me at least. Yeah, me too. There's nothing quite like vacationing in hawaii for the holidays indeed oh now i see yeah colin has history spending the holidays in hawaii one or two one or two um just like the people who shot karate kid part two that's right until then let's go ahead and get to this week's recap uh which is cobra kai episode four cobra kai never dies So the last time that we saw Cobra Kai, mm-hmm. we saw Johnny stumbling upon Miguel, who had been beaten up in the mm-hmm. locker room at the Halloween dance while Johnny was out trying to drum up support for his dojo and walking down memory lane. And now we have an opening shot in a completely different place. And a completely different time. A place that is called Tech Town. It looks like a support desk. And there we see Robbie, Johnny's son. That's right. Taking a laptop from a guy who's brought it in for service and repair. Robbie is very personable, seems to know what he's doing. Uh, Mm -hmm. The guy is clearly clueless and has no idea what, you know, a good computer password. His is simply password. Right. Well, he's posing. Well, Robbie is actually posing as someone named Eduardo, according to his name tag. Yeah, we find that out because the guy, the clueless guy leans in and is like, thanks, Eduardo. And then we realize, oh, wait, no, there's not a nice side to Robbie. He's actually doing something nefarious, posing as someone else. Yeah, exactly. So this this Ray Romano-looking guy doesn't even know what he has coming. Robbie promptly takes this laptop and skates out the back entrance into the alleyway where his ne'er-do-well friends are waiting for him. The two main people here are Trey, played by Terrell Hill, and Cruz, played by Jeff Kaplan. Mm-hmm. There's another guy whose name I unfortunately don't know who's standing there shirtless. He is Eduardo. They thank Eddie for his pains. The titular Eduardo. Pass the shirt back to him. And this is where we learn that Robbie is not only hanging out with thieves who steal laptops, but dishonorable thieves, because they're going to play the internet offers against each other. I got three guys right now willing to pay 400 no questions asked. Oh, man. 
Dude, have each demo half and then give it to who shows up first. He's a real bad boy. Uh, or he wants to be. Well, no, he's actually succeeding pretty much, pretty <laughs> well at being a bad boy. Like, can I just talk about this tech support scam just for a microsecond? Yeah, it Colin is has a some bizarre, history with tech support, so. Even to the uninitiated, it seems like a bizarre scam because, one, there's a paper trail. Like, how is Eduardo not going to get in trouble for this? Two, like, they're trying to play two internet bidders off of against each other. It seems incredibly baroque for what should just be a normal like laptop theft like they should just go <laughs> unload this thing at a pawn shop at the very least these you would guys think. are not the sharpest tools in the shed i guess not and anyway. i remember when i first saw this thinking this this robbie guy like ugh, i don't like him at all yeah you know? he's he starts out super unlikable so robbie's like listening to them say this and you can tell that he might have a little pause but he's got a skateboard like they do and he's skating away from the parking lot mm-hmm. with them when he looks down and lo on a piece of paper on the ground mm-hmm. we see yeah johnny's flyers are sprinkled everywhere around this part of town apparently because there's one just laying in a puddle in the parking garage floor for reasons of plot now we understand why johnny felt compelled to put his face on the flyer because that means robbie can recognize that it is in robbie's words it's my fucking dad yeah and with that tanner buchanan gets the only f-bomb on cobra kai that i know of oh well there you go and that just got our explicit tag on itunes as well (laughs) oh sorry well we can bleep me out we've never bleeped out anything before we're not going to start now no but anyway yeah it's my effing dad and then drops the flyer on the ground Uh with the guys and they skateboard off i just wanted to point that out that we're learning here that robbie is not only a dude who takes molly and ditches out on johnny but he is in fact running with a bad crowd and doesn't mind slinging an f-bomb around it's nighttime now and johnny is stumbling down the street holding a six-pack that is almost all drunk once again johnny finds himself in one of his familiar fugue states Flashing back to the night before when he'd brought an injured Miguel in his skeleton suit home from Mm -hmm. the Halloween dance and his mom, you know, snatches him away and slams the door on Johnny's face. Yeah. Devastated, Johnny is stumbling along when he looks up, sees Daniel LaRusso's auto group billboard and decides to do something about it. Once again, it's LaRusso at fault here. And of course, Johnny has just seen Daniel telling him to not promote his dojo so yeah. Johnny's looking for someone to blame. Johnny still has a big stack of his flyers, so he immediately trades the beer that he's been drinking for a red spray can. Yeah, he's, he's a graffiti artist and is like, want to swap cans? And then we cut uh, back to the LaRusso residence. The LaRusso manse where Daniel is trying to persuade Sam to come down and have her favorite Bananarama pancakes, which are, of course, an Easter egg. Yeah, if you're on that Easter egg hunt, yeah, we got Bananarama chocolate chip pancake. Daniel is sitting down there trying to suck up to Sam after having embarrassed her at the Halloween dance in front of Kyler, mm-hmm. as we discussed in the last episode. And Anthony, his younger child, is sitting there just chowing down with whipped cream and pancakes, and Sam bails without even looking him in the eye. And then he's driving to work, obviously already off to a bad start, looking mm-hmm. very forlorn. 
And Ralph Macchio, again, though in his now late 50s, looks like he's in his 30s. He fields a call from his wife. She tells him the bad news, which is there's some billboard trouble. Daniel thinks that it's just competition from Tom Cole, his auto dealer rival. Yeah. And he does pass a giant Tom Cole billboard, but... Amanda calls from the dealership while Daniel's driving in Mm -hmm. and tells him that... There, you know, has he has he seen the billboard yet? Daniel thinks that Amanda is talking about the Tom Cole billboards, which there are giant Tom Cole billboards, no doubt about that. But no, she's talking about the other billboard. That would be the LaRusso Auto Group billboard, which now has a giant red dick spray painted on it. Yes. yes. So cut to the dealership where Daniel is He's enraged. He's mad. He's mad AF. He's mad AF. And is insisting that the cops that he's called do something about it. He's a donor, for heaven's sake. Please. We just want to catch the guy who did this. And as Amanda smartly says, Honey, if they arrested everybody who painted dicks on things, there just wouldn't be any room in the jails for all the murderers. Amanda also delivers a very adorable line. Okay, it is the dicks billboard now. Daniel, to his credit, almost listens to reason. Fortunately, he overhears his employees talking about how hilarious the billboard is so he gets the idea to get them to go out and take care of it. Yeah, he wants Louie and Anoush to go paint over the billboard. Now we're back at Miguel's house where he's lying on the couch holding an ice pack to his stomach, right? Like his mom is telling him no more karate. Mm -hmm. He's insisting that it's not his sensei's fault. Carmen is not having it. And his grandma, meanwhile, is like, come on, he just needs to practice more. Miguel's really at odds with his mom over this whole karate thing. Miguel's like, listen, you just need to understand, like... If you knew him, you'd see he's a great man. Cut to Johnny passed out on the floor of his apartment once again with empty beer cans scattered everywhere. Indeed, and of course the empty spray paint can as well is lying beside him. The whole he's a great man cut to passed out on the floor. That's a real joke for screenwriters there. It's pretty smart. That's a fun cut to to write. It is a fun cut to to write. Exactly. When he gets a call from Robbie's school principal yet again. And just as she did in episode two, Robbie's principal is calling to let Johnny know that she's all for father-son bonding time, but this canoe trip that they're on is keeping Robbie away from school. And he's, he's not back in school. And Johnny's like, what canoe trip? Obviously, Robbie has lied saying he's spending time with his dad so he can skip out of school altogether. Johnny sets out to rectify the situation, but who's waiting outside but Miguel? Right. Miguel is still do-or-die Cobra Kai, you know, friends to the end. He wants back in the dojo. He wants to circumvent his mom's wishes. Johnny is a little shell-shocked from the failure to train Miguel properly right off the bat. Well, and Johnny's like, you know, he's ashamed, I think. Yeah. And he and he can't stand the thought of anything less than total success. So he's like, there is no dojo. That's right. We're done. Mm-hmm. And Miguel says, what about me? I need you. Yeah, we're going to jump back to West Valley High and we catch up with Sam and Aisha. The students of the high school are being real shits to Aisha. Clearly everyone in this episode is dealing with the fallout from the fateful Halloween dance, including poor Aisha, who mm-hmm. again was mobbed on social media by Sam's current friends. Yasmin Moon, but really Yasmin. Yeah. And everyone's making fun of her, and Sam tries to be nice to her, but Aisha's not having it because Sam is implicated in it by still hanging out with those people. Yeah, exactly. Much like in the original Karate Kid movie, a lot of stuff spins out of the Halloween dance scenario. Yeah. And and so, you know, Sam's trying to have it both ways. She wants to be friends with everybody without taking a public stand. 
And then you know, Aisha storms off and Kyler comes up with his something about Mary gelled hair. What is that? Hmm? On your ear. Is that a hair gel? Yeah. And is like, hey, I got those movie tickets. And Sam is still friendly to Kyler. Like, she's probably a little little embarrassed still and, and wants to make it right for Daniel embarrassing them together at the Halloween dance. Because, of course, she doesn't know that Kyler was planning on using a fake grandmother's bracelet to get to her heart and her body. Yeah, Kyler's bizarre fake grandma's bracelet, fake sincerity play is still in full effect. With all these Baroque swindles happening in the valley. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I don't remember anything this complicated taking place before in the original Karate Kid movies. Well, actually, 3 has some pretty complicated stuff, but we'll get to that. To be honest, like they have to do that in order to come up with enough contrivances to put the characters that we want to see together, together. Part of his fake sincerity play, Kyler comes up with some real strange lines when Sam asks... You know, it's one of those dying teenager in love movies, right? He says, yeah, I love tragic shit. Yeah, super cool. That's yeah. totally how I feel when I'm going to a tearjerker teen movie. Mm-hmm. Brooks is in the background, like, making lewd gestures, in, driving home the fact that Kyler is incapable of any kind of sincerity. This is some tragic shit, man. We're looking forward to seeing how it goes at the movies for Kyler and Sam. Meanwhile, Daniel is trying to call her to get through to her, and she is blowing him off. Yeah, Sam pretty much spends the entire episode actively ignoring Daniel and Daniel spinning out of control. He's having a no good, horrible, very bad day. He walks in from his office having tried to catch up with Sam and lo, there is a delivery of sausages from his rival again, Tom Cole. So this is the second beat of this Cole-LaRusso rivalry. The sausage delivery man in the background seems... Quite delighted with this situation. Amanda takes it in stride because she's just like, hey, free lunch for the lot. Yeah, obviously the sausages are a reference to the giant phallus that is drawn on Daniel's face. Yes, as if it needs to be driven home. Daniel decides to call and check in with Anoush and Louie, and they are still working on repainting the billboard, but they're not painters. They've Three Stooges style started to kind of paint over the dick on the billboard, but they're not even halfway done, and Daniel is super upset. However, this scene does serve a dual purpose when they discover some... They discover that Johnny's left clues behind, let's just say. Yeah, like like a Cobra Kai flyer and possibly his own fecal matter. Those are two pretty big clues. You don't need uh, David Caruso to figure those out. I don't know. Anoush thought it was a dog at first, but the implication is that Johnny, in fact, took a dump on the billboard's railing. Look, Johnny had an active night. Let's just say that. Meanwhile, just in case anyone was worrying how far the apple falls from the tree... We're back at Robbie's place. Robbie's there with Trey and Cruz. Uh-huh. And while he's, I think he's like rolling a joint or something, just like his dad, uh-huh. um, the two henchmen, who look also a little bit older than he is, are sitting there looking at some raunchy porn. They're watching twerking on YouTube. That That's, that's for sure. Is that what twerking is? It's twerk adjacent. Yeah, it's a woman with cutoffs that look like a thong shaking it. Enough it's, said. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Like like in this episode, a lot of the, the shtick that they used to set up the bad people or is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can tell that these are the people who wrote Harold and Kumar and right. well, <laughs> Hot Tub Time Machine. Well, I think we touched on this in the last episode, but I think it bears repeating is that we're 
you know, if we're looking at the season as one long story, we're still in the downward slide part of our protagonist's story. So we're just going to see them struggle and suffer and be gross. They're just kind of piling this stuff on as high as they can to see how much they can win us back uh, in the second half. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's like, if you pay close attention, you can tell that Robbie is not into the porn. He's not into as much into all this. He's not into that bad boy lifestyle as much as we've been led to believe. As much as he might think himself. Exactly. So he's sitting there doing whatever he's doing while these dudes are speculating about this woman's twerking ability. It's bad boy's time. But who should interrupt but the ultimate bad boy, Johnny Lawrence. The ultimate bad boy who doesn't remember that he's the ultimate bad boy. That's right. The ultimate bad boy made good. And Johnny shows up at Robbie's uh, Robbie's apartment, I guess. and uh, Demands to know why Robbie isn't in school. He's got some choice words for Robbie's henchman friends. Not only does he have some harsh words for the dudes that Robbie is hanging out with, including calling Cruz out for the bizarro mustache he has on his face. Right. But And really, Johnny always shines when he's insulting somebody. But also, he, he wants to know what the hell Robbie was doing, why he's not in school, and Robbie is like... So you mean I can grow up and have my own strip mall karate school? And Johnny keeps trying to tell him... You can still make something of yourself. And, and Robbie's like... And I'm not going to school. I'm done. And mom's okay with it. So we're good. You can go. Robbie puts on a brave face, but it's not just that he's super hostile. He also knows how to press all of Johnny's buttons. Yeah, and he mentions Daniel LaRusso and what it's like to be a winner. Johnny does not take that well. It's... Well, the thing is that Johnny also, you know, tries to go after Robbie's mom mm-hmm. and takes a hit at her. She, she's not there right now. Right. And and Robbie's like, don't talk about my mom that way. Mm-hmm. So it's clear that Robbie is very protective of his mother, that Robbie hates Johnny. Mm-hmm. And this is likely because Johnny has literally never come around before. Johnny's proximity yeah. to Miguel has made him care about Robbie. Yes. Has made him realize that he's capable of caring and that that's a thing that he might have something to say about. Yeah. But he's unprepared for the kind of hatred that can come from a kid that you've ignored. Right. And and, and so he lets himself be barked out by Robbie. Of course, he's not done trying to help Robbie, as we'll see in a minute. Meanwhile, back at school, uh, we catch up uh, with Miguel, Dimitri, and Eli. Uh, Miguel's kind of getting the anti-pep talk from uh, Dimitri. Dimitri's a real cynical dude. Yeah, Dimitri is very cynical. Dimitri's like trying to see the silver lining in Miguel's being banned from karate by his mom by saying like... What has confidence ever gotten anybody except for a black guy in their backpack thrown in the trash? Yeah. And meanwhile, Eli is like, you know, still very meek. He's like, I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool what Miguel did. Yeah. And Dimitri's like... Let me ask you. What is the best superpower anyone could have? Miguel answers that the best superpower may be super strength. Again, telling you something about what Miguel is going through. It's a real nice scene kind of building out their relationship and setting up their personalities. And who should come up again but Kyler and Brooks. Yep. And they roll in, begin bullying everyone. They pick up Eli, make fun of his cleft lip, uh, surgery scar, hassle Miguel. And then they grab Dimitri's backpack and throw it in the trash right where he's just thrown a yogurt cup. And that's no bueno, because you know what? You let dairy dry on canvas like that, that's not a good smell. You're never going to be able to completely wash that out. Meanwhile, this all went down in the library, so as all the guys file out, the camera pans to show that who's been behind the stacks the whole time but Sam. And as she stands there, she knows now 
Kyler isn't who he seemed to be. So meanwhile now, Miguel is heading home and it wouldn't be a Karate Kid property if someone's mom didn't embarrass them outside of the school or in front of their peers with a car. That's true. So there is Miguel's mom, Carmen. She's changed her work schedule around so she can spend time with him and try to make up for the fact that she's forbidden him to do karate. She's doing the work of trying to make peace with Miguel. She's come to pick him up early. She wants to take him to the movie. Maybe Deadpool 2 is out by this time. Or Spider-Man, right? (laughs) And she says the thing that is most terrifying to me, you can put the M&Ms in the popcorn. Is this, again, like, so it's California, right? This Uh is my my theory. So California has extremely lush Halloween dances, Uh a thing for chickens, Uh and then also, apparently, M&Ms and popcorn. M&M and popcorn is delightful. It's a sweet, savory hit. What? It's... No. It's magnificent. Oh. Yeah. I don't know about that. You're enjoying this a little bit too much. <laughs> I love M&M's and popcorn. I don't know what you're talking about. Actually, Miguel's mom would probably have me at this point. I'd be like, that's fine. Karate's overrated. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Back at Larusso Auto Group, we see that Amanda is sitting in a boardroom talking to two women who are representatives of an ad agency. Mm-hmm. And um, she warns them that, you know, Daniel's a little testy today because of the billboard. Daniel comes in and the two ad reps are like, all right, we've got some great ideas and we love your karate gimmick. And this is the moment. What? You guys think it's a gimmick? No, no, no. We're into karate. We love it. She says it's something like back in the day, karate in the valley was like football in Texas. Your eyes, full hearts. Can't lose. I mean, he's still a champion in all our hearts, but he was also literally the champion two years in a row he was yes even though that second time was kind of crazy but again we'll get to that eventually (laughs) and i don't know how they get on the subject i guess talking about gimmicks and how much they work but they're like oh yeah but tom cole's also doing a kind of a gimmick that is reminiscent of yours we're gonna decide to break professional courtesy and just show you your rival's ad before it's possibly even been aired on television exactly and here comes tom cole Rival auto dealership owner, played yeah. by David Chetrow. He comes up and dressed as a patriot, as in he's dressed as like a revolutionary, revolutionary war, soldier. war soldier. Yeah, as like Yankee Doodle plays over over the background. He has this long, yeah, exactly. He has this thing about how I'm fighting to bring you great deals, great American deals. It's bizarre but well, it's clearly a, a takeoff on what daniel's been doing with his ass and an implicit hit at daniel's because it's kind of patriotic it's borderline jingoistic and daniel has an asian influenced approach in his commercials with his bonsai trees and the karate mm-hmm. and then of course tom cole's like we're giving you cacti anyone who comes and buys a car yeah. gets a cactus because in these dry times it really is the only responsible plant to own thus implying that daniel's a water waster for giving people bonsai trees. Bonsai tree. It's a weird play because you're talking about how terrible your competitor is, but doing the exact same thing. At this point, Daniel's pretty sure that Tom Cole is the root of all evil and probably the person who spray painted his billboard. In the locked murder mystery version of this, like all the clues point to Tom Cole so far. Exactly. And Daniel is going to walk out, leaving Amanda there. Yeah. And now we're at a bar. Yes, so... The show cuts to a bar where Shannon, Robbie's mom, played by Dior Baird, is sitting talking to one of these dudes. She clearly spends a lot of time at this bar talking to guys like this. You can tell that she's practiced at this, and she's she's not really having the best date anyway, and then it all goes to hell because who should arrive but Johnny Lawrence? In this part of the 
in this episode particularly. Um, right now, she's just interested in basically scraping by by seducing a series of random businessmen. and Schlubby dudes. And yeah, it, it is what it is. But Johnny makes a point of trying to shame her for not being there for their kid, which again is very strange. Uh, and she, of course, can just snap right back that he's never been there at all. So, like, why is he caring just now? Yeah, I mean, the thing about Johnny is that he, first of all, Billy Zabka is, is great at this. He's so earnest and mm-hmm. so mad. But but he, he has this sort of naive moralism, like, I know all these things now because yeah. I, I, I've learned how to care. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, sure. Now you care what you have all you these super dad skills and he's like well i'm not giving up on him and she's like screw you yeah because you know then she lists off all the things that she was there for robbie during which johnny was totally absent for Mm -hmm. and you can tell that johnny wasn't prepared to have like an accounting he's like i'm here now and she's like it doesn't matter i mean this is a great scene it's well played by the both of them i would have really appreciated some video support maybe the budget wasn't there for that but you know some flashback scenes to those things that she's talking about where like robbie's skateboarding accident or when he got mono i feel like hopefully we can get a little bit more building out of robbie's story all we really needed was was a flashback not even to tanner buchanan but like to these two characters, Johnny and Shannon, with a small baby. Ooh. And Johnny just, and Johnny obviously caring about the baby, but having no idea what to do, and then bailing on a key moment. Like, yeah. that's all we needed you know, to set the tone for that. If that was like the cold open instead of the uh, tech support thing. I yeah. mean, the tech support thing tells us a lot about Robbie, but a flashback would have also told us a lot. I'm hoping that as the show continues, we'll get to flesh that background out a bit because it certainly lends even more weight to this tension between Johnny and Robbie. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, Johnny has been shamed now, right? Yes. Shannon has successfully held Johnny to account. She's gone off to have dessert with her schlubby guy, implying that there will be other desserts for her later that evening. Carnal desserts. Carnal desserts. Stay tuned for our next podcast, Carnal Desserts. Johnny has had it handed to him. He's mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm out. But you know who else has been shamed? Daniel. Daniel LaRusso rolls into Tom Cole's auto dealership. Tom Strawman Cole. I just want to point out clearly Tom Cole's been in the Valley. He's been rivals with Daniel for a long time. How boring must Tom Cole's high school movie have been? Oh my God. Well, yeah, because Tom Cole, I think Tom Cole is only recently beginning to have the pretension of being the number one, right? right Daniel right. has been the leader up till now. Right. Tom, Tom Cole, while, you know, Daniel's auto group has pod coffee with Splenda. Tom Cole offers boba tea to anyone who wants to browse his luxury autos. Daniel gets confrontational, reveals that he just saw Tom Cole's new ad. He confronts Tom for biting his style, which is a fair cop, but Tom's counter is, you know, business is business. I'm just doing what you do. You've got a gimmick. I've got a gimmick. And he's standing there holding his boba tea. He's holding his boba tea just, you know. In the middle of the dealership while he and Daniel are having this standoff. The pregnant possibilities of that boba tea. And Daniel's like, actually, I was two-time All-Valley champ. Tom asks if the Valley is big enough for two auto kings. We're leaders to kings. And the other thing about it is that when Tom is going on at Daniel about his his karate gimmick, 
He imitates like... We got a two-time karate champ over here. I guess I should be worried. What's <laughs> Karate sounds? Yeah, Which, as cool, if you've watched the Karate Kid mo- movies, you know that anyone who does that deserves to have their ass handed to them. Oh, yeah. It is the way of things. And I've actually... We're, we're watching this episode as we talk to you, and I've frozen the screen, and Daniel is looking at Tom Cole in a way that young Daniel looked... Johnny Lawrence, like with this very studied, like I'm gonna get you, yeah, I'm gonna expression get you on his face. He hasn't so, lost it, not one bit. So while Tom is like, surely there's room enough for two two auto kings in the valley. But Rage, he can't be king anymore. Dudes, he's encroaching on my decrees. Daniel's like, eh, and and Tom's like, let's just give Daniel a boba, quick. Give Daniel a boba to his assistant. Yes, but it's all a ploy because Cole is just drawing Daniel in and playing nice just to set him up for a dick joke. All right. I guess you must be full after eating all that dick. Once Tom Cole has laid this dick joke down at Daniel's good faith effort uh-huh. in order to bring things to a close and end this stupid rivalry, Daniel has no choice. He looks like he's walking out of the dojo, but instead, as the music swells... Kicks that tea right the hell out of Tom Cole's hand all over the cars and the floor of the auto dealership. And gosh, it just got, oh, it got everywhere. Gosh. Backward spin kick. Daniel shows that he can still do karate, too. This is the first karate we've legit karate that we've seen from Daniel LaRusso in oh, Cobra Kai. Yeah. Oh, beans. That boba went everywhere. I know. The boba flies everywhere. Tom Cole looks a little shaken. And Daniel walks off with a very content look on his face. Yeah. He's got a little bit of his swagger back. He's it got was his... directed completely at the wrong guy. But hey, you know, a win's a win. I don't know. Tom Cole deserved it. Anyone who makes a dick joke while drinking a boba. It's just not okay. He's getting punished, but not for the thing that Daniel thinks that he's punishing him for. That's kind of the theme of Cobra Kai, though. There's karma out there. It's going to come back and get you, but it's not going to be totally equivalent. So the Mm. excess is going to spin into a new plot development. Speaking of plot developments, we are back (laughs) several hours later. We're at the movies, and Sam is having a miserable date with the now newly found out to be totally scummy kyler yeah kyler's got the something about mary bangs going again mm-hmm. and he's leaning in for a kiss he's trying to pretend like he cares so much about the teen drama happening on screen mm-hmm. and sam's like you know i just am not into this and then you know he's trying and she's like i saw what you did to those kids in the library and he plays her for the fool and is like you know we're just we're all friends you know it's just a, it's just a joke and she's not that stupid kyler come yeah. on man sam's conscience has gotten the best of her and when kyler finally makes his move to uh, put his hand up her skirt no less yeah not cool she asks him to stop and he keeps going super not cool fortunately sam is the kind of person who can take care of herself she quickly shuts him down with a little karate of her own drops him in the movie theater and then gets the hell out of dodge leaving Mm -hmm. him there to kind of scrunch down in his seat and be stricken so sam and kyler are dunsville yep And now Johnny, meanwhile, is sitting at a diner eating some kind of sad hot dog. And across from Johnny eating sad hot dog is some sort of Norman Rockwell painting unfolding. (laughs) uh, Because we've got a dad and his toe-haired son. All blonde, uh, just like Johnny Lawrence. Yeah, sharing a sundae with two spoons. It's enough to warm even the... The coldest karate sensei's heart. It's enough to turn a cobra's blood red. Even crease might be turned at the sight of this heartwarming scene. Indeed. In fact, crease's heart grew three sizes that day. And instead of looking sorry for himself, Johnny actually has a little smile on his face. Mm-hmm. Like he's still looking for that moment for himself. 
That's right. So the next scene we see is of a door opening. That's right. And Johnny Lawrence standing on somebody's doorstep. And he's very sincere. He he asks. I know there's no do-overs, but that kid is the only person in the world who hasn't given up on me. I know I messed up big time, but if you let him come back, I won't fail him again. I promise. Who's he talking to? Is he talking to Shannon? About Robbie? On the reverse shot, it's quickly revealed to actually be Miguel's mom that he's talking to and not Shannon, as we might have expected. Because let's face it, for Johnny, it's easier going back to the person that likes you and says they need you Mm -hmm. than it is going back to the person who hates you but might be your longer-term responsibility. Johnny has apologized for this, and then Carmen closes the door. Her mom is looking at her and is like, that guy's a nice guy. Yeah. And the thing is, like, this is a pivotal moment that shapes the whole plot of the rest of the series. Turning Robbie around would be actual work. But Miguel is there, and Miguel is eager to be Johnny's student. And so Johnny takes the quick and easy path. Johnny wants redemption. He just doesn't know how to seek it except for someone from someone who he can do karate with, right? That's really all he can do. That's He can't true. do this complicated dad stuff. His other His skills come out of his engagement through karate. Mm-hmm. Now that he's apologized, we will be shifting to... Well, the next morning at breakfast, Daniel's heart is not in it. He just leaves out English muffins and orange juice, much to Anthony's chagrin. But lo and behold, Sam walks in. And for once, she's not only talking to him, but she's actually pleased to see him. She reveals that she's given up on Kyler. And, of course, Daniel is thrilled. Now that he's taking care of Tom Cole and Sam is talking to him again, things, at least for the moment, start to look to Daniel like everything's returning to normal. So I he... can almost hear the strains of a happy Dean Martin song playing right now. Exactly. So he scrambles to the pancake mix to whip up some more of those famous Bananarama pancakes and get things back to status quo. Meanwhile, Johnny is at the dojo. Yeah. Slowly putting his trophies in a box, right? Trying mm-hmm. to get it all together. He's given up. Everything is a wash. Yeah. And someone has come in the door. Things may be actually picking up for Johnny, too, because Miguel is ride or die Cobra Kai. He's an eager student, and he's there for Johnny, ready to absorb whatever crazy bullshit Johnny is willing to pour into his head. And Johnny's like, you know, are you ready to take things to the next level? And of course Miguel is. And Johnny said, I'm going to show you. And the best defense is more offense. Maybe Johnny hasn't learned as much as we thought he had. Johnny suffered a setback, but he still hasn't quite learned uh, anything yet. Johnny's attitude is if aggression failed you, you just have to be more aggressive. Even though as, as you know, we can talk about this after we're done with this review, but like, you know, during our analysis, but like what we've seen is that Johnny got one step farther by not being aggressive, mm-hmm. right? By coming to Carmen and saying humbly, like, I'm really sorry. That's true. So Johnny hasn't learned his own lesson yet. Meanwhile, Daniel is driving to work, bebopping along with the radio. Yeah. Singing. Happy as a clam, flipping off Tom Cole's giant billboard, celebrating his own newly repainted billboard. Yeah, Daniel couldn't be more thrilled. To see his face without a dick in it. Fair. And he bursts into the door to the LaRusso Auto Group where Louie and Anoush are there waiting for him. He congratulates them on their work getting the billboard repaired. But they then drop their, their detective work on him, revealing that it was not Tom Cole 
who was at the scene of the crime defacing that billboard, but they found Johnny Lawrence's flyer there instead, revealing that perhaps we have not heard the last of Johnny Lawrence. Colin. Yes. How did you feel about this episode? I feel all sorts of feelings about this episode, but I'm overall happy because... You know, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, this is the down part of the pendulum swing. We're watching all our characters lose. We're watching our characters get hurt. Sometimes we're watching our characters get shit on, both figuratively and literally. Now, you know, not to spoil anything for upcoming episodes, but the counterbalance is the next episode. That's where things are going to change up swiftly. A lot of Statics quos are going to get flipped around again, and we're going to start to see some interesting things take off in the second half of the season. Yeah, I mean, the thing about this is that I feel like they're laying the groundwork here plot-wise. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of moving parts to these episodes. They cut in and out of scenes very quickly. In the scenes, they do very economical work that is still endearing or riveting. I, I don't know. Like, it's hard to see Robbie be such a jerk. It's hard to see him yeah. surrounded by jerks. Uh, my feeling in watching these early episodes is like, why, Johnny, are you even taking your time? You know, because you want to root so hard for Johnny. Mm-hmm. Um, and you root for Daniel, too. But, you know, at this point, it looks like Johnny's just given it his best. Why can't we reward him for his efforts? Why isn't Robbie automatically psychic? And, and able to see that his dad is really trying. But of course, that's not the way real life works. I applaud the show for that kind of realistic element to it. I think that, I mean, even though these episodes are clearly the darkest timeline so far, uh, I think that... Oh, I argue it can get much darker. It can, but but what I was getting at was that I think that the episodic format of the show really pays off here because if this was a movie it would be much shorter and a lot of these nuances would get dropped to make time for other things but in this streaming format in this longer series format we really get some good in-depth information about these characters we get these scenes of johnny confronting Shannon at the bar we get these scenes of Robbie and his ne'er-do-well lifestyle and it and we feel it a little bit more keenly because we are getting to spend more time on these little details yeah and it's funny how a show that at this point has uh, has a strong camp factor right like I mean Ralph Macchio said this is kind of fanfic and you feel it you know that you're in a show that's based on another show and it also has the these moments that are silly or you know even raunchy um one of my friends is watching it and she was like man this is really not pg like the karate kid this episode particularly because of the twerking video that the the dudes are watching Mm. because of uh, robbie's f-bomb so you know despite having these this sort of feeling of being like a comedy that is based on something else you, what you might not notice while you're distracted by those things is that there are some strong and meaningful plot threads that are ensnaring you as a viewer. Yeah. Right? Like, you're, you're compelled to find out what happens. You're not quite sure why because it's just a fun, like, spinoff, right? But, in fact, this is a very smart storytelling that, you know, having seen the rest of the show, I'm like, yeah, man, that was wise of them to do it that way. I think that the show's strength is it draws you in with the fun, kitschy nostalgia trip, but... 
behind all that, there are some more interesting, nuanced characters, and the, the show actually does have something to say about the culture and about bullying and about uh, a lot of these other topics. And really about what it is to be a man. I mean, male shame is a through line in these episodes, but perhaps until the end we won't see it as strongly as we do here mm-hmm. um, because you know we see Kyler... Uh, being shamed by Sam, which will have repercussions later. We see Daniel being shamed by Tom Cole and the and the phallic billboard, and we see Johnny mismanaging his shame mm-hmm. and not knowing how to deal. It's it's a question of how to come to terms with your failings or your embarrassment. You know, it's it's so hard to think about Johnny wanting to have these things that are nice, but not knowing how to get them. And so falling into a quick and easier path, not because he's scheming to be lazy or to find an easy way, but because he literally knows no other way Yeah, and he has good intentions. But unfortunately for him, like being a success is synonymous with being kind of a, a badass. And, and in reality, being a success means coming to terms with failures as well as successes. He hasn't yet figured that out. All right. Well, I think that's about all we have to say about Cobra Kai Never Dies. Uh, We will check in with you in another two weeks with our episode five, Counterbalance. And in the holiday time frame, we will also drop the Karate Kid 2 recap, which will also be a lot of fun. Yes. Uh, So until then, I've been Colin Kennedy. I am Jenny Carlson. And we'll see you around the Miyagi-verse. See you around the Miyagi-verse. This podcast has been produced and hosted by Colin Canada and Jenny Carlson. Our music is by Chepo. You can find us online at areyoukaratekiddingme.com and wherever you download podcasts.